This podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Ingress. The rail-hugging win by Kubrick in the inaugural Bondi Stakes brought down the curtain on the Royal Randwick phase of the Spring Carnival. Now the spotlight centres on Rosehill Gardens and Australia's third richest horse race. It's the Iron Jack Golden Eagle exclusively for four-year-olds and looming as an enthralling contest between Australia's best and some talented Northern Hemisphere visitors. Supporting the Golden Eagle is the $1 million Redzell Stakes and the half million dollar Rosehill Cup. Then it's out of town on November the 16th for the Hunter, Newcastle's first ever $1 million race. A week later, November 23rd, down the coast we go for the Gong, a $1 million race over the testing Kembla Mile. Plenty more action yet before the carnival is over. And what a carnival it's been. New South Wales racing has never known a spring quite like this one. Popular Queensland jockey Sky Bogenhuber doesn't have a single recollection of the week that followed her heavy fall at the Toowoomba jumpouts in March of last year. The five-time Toowoomba Premiership winner was catapulted from the saddle when an inexperienced two-year-old stumbled coming out of the barrier. Sky landed headfirst, sustaining heavy bleeding to the brain and Toowoomba regulars were deeply concerned about her condition. Two days passed before she regained consciousness, but for the next five days she had little awareness of her whereabouts. Her recovery was nothing short of astounding. Skye's well-documented determination played a major part in her rehabilitation, but she followed to the letter the program laid out by her doctors. By July, she was ready to resume track work duties when she suffered a nasty knee injury during one of her regular gym sessions, and that delayed her comeback by another month. She believes it's the best thing that could have happened. She's been race riding again since Friday the 18th of October, and her first win came on the 19th at Toowoomba when she scored on a very promising filly called Je Suis Belle. The Sky Bogan-Huber story is a fascinating one. The little girl from the Blue Mountains who wanted to be a jockey from the moment she spotted a racehorse from a classroom window at the University of New South Wales just across the road from Randwick Racecourse. Sky is at home in Toowoomba as we welcome her to the podcast. Sky, thanks for joining us. Good morning, John. Thank you. I watched your win on Je Suis Belle and it could have been your very first winner. You were pretty excited. Yeah. Um, it was pretty emotional. Um, yeah, it was very special. I didn't expect to get one so soon back in the saddle, but uh, hmm. it was terrific and I was floating for the next week after. Yes. You'd been riding that Philly track work. I think you'd ridden her in a couple of jump outs and you didn't let her out of your sight, did you? No, I was very fortunate enough that Mr Curry let me jump her out twice um, and both times she impressed me a lot. And I hadn't been looking at a date 
to come back just at the time, but when he mentioned that she was starting on the 19th and that I poss- I was a possible chance to ride her, I, uh, mm. I set my sights on that night. Mm. When you were made aware of the extent of your injury in March of last year, you got a major shock. You described it to me as pretty scary. Yeah, it um, it, it really brought me back down to earth. Um, previous injuries, bones, etc. I've always just shoved it off and rushed back, but um, mm. this time it it really woke me up and and made me see life differently. Um, and appreciate just the small things. It's it's been a bad thing, but a, a lot of good things have come out of it. Mm-hmm. In the early stages of rehabilitation, you suffered some emotional problems. You got pretty low for a while there, didn't you? Yeah, it was a dark place. Um, I struggled to get dressed and go out to face people. I felt ashamed. I felt a bit of depression waking up in the mornings. Um, mm. Everything, feelings, confidence, everything was gone. It was like starting all over again. Um, and it's just amazed me how a brain can bounce back from mm-hmm. where I was to where I am now. Mm-hmm. Did your doctors try to discourage you from returning to the saddle? Was it ever suggested? Oh, 100%. They mm-hmm. just said just no more. Um, but I, <laughs> from get-go, I always... I knew I still loved it. I was loving it when I had the fall, so I knew I owed it to myself to try and get back. And I just think I swayed my doctor in saying that if you let me back and I don't feel right, as soon as I get in the saddle, I will walk away. And mm. and that's probably the only reason they let me go back to track work, and I'm so grateful that they did. Mm. And you, you rode work for many, many weeks. You can never be accused of rushing back. You really took your time. Yeah, I, about nine weeks before mm. I got asked to get back to the races and I, uh, like I said, normally broken bones or whatever, I'd, I'd rush back. But this one made me very sensible and I'd taken all the time in the world um, mm. just to get the feel back and, and it's worked out well. Mm. Let's go back to the very early stages of your journey through life. You were born and reared at Woodford on the New South Wales Blue Mountains. You went to primary school at Hazelbrook. You went to high school at Springwood. Now, as a teenager, your great passion was running. What was your favourite event? You could stay a bit. Yeah, I my dad got me into running. It actually all come about. He used to pick me up from school every afternoon and he'd we'd detour to the track before home and for him to do some training because he he loved his running and Mm. I used to just sit there and watch and he said why don't you start running one day and I wasn't real keen and Mm. um he ended up getting me to start running with him and the turning point was when he when I started winning races at school and little athletics I uh Mm. I got hooked and I loved it and um I my pet distance was 800 meters on the track I went to nationals for that um Mm. But then it went out to cross country and further that I was really good at. So mm. it made me so strong and healthy as a kid. And, and I think it all helped being a jockey now because I'm just mm. so fit from it and, and, mm. and strong mentally from it. Well, you still run a lot, Sky. In fact, even this morning, a couple of hours before we recorded this podcast, you were out with your little Jack Russell 
running and walking and exercising. Yeah, I, I still love it. I I burnt out a bit at 19. I had trained flat out for 10 years from 9 to 19 and I didn't want to see a track um, mm. by the time I was 19. Um, but I had a break and now I just love doing it for fitness. I just love it just mm. as a leisure and it keeps me fit in my mind well and um, it killed me when I did my knee in July and I couldn't run for a couple of months, but I'm mm. so happy I finally got the clearance probably a month ago and I'm back into my running, so it's been great. Now, many people have wondered about the origins of your surname. It's obviously European. Yes, it's uh, my dad is from Austria. Oh. Um, he come over at age 13 after his mother passed from cancer, uh, very young, and uh, he came over, couldn't speak a word of English, but um, very strong and resilient. He'd come over and he's never left. He loves the country and, yeah, he met my mum, who's Australian, so, yeah, that's where my name comes from. Well, your dad's name was Joe and he was a fitness fanatic too. He'd often train with you and on two occasions, correct me if I'm wrong, you and Dad competed as a father-daughter team in the city to surf. Yes, we did actually. I actually <laughs> forgot about that. Um, it was really fun. I think we won gold and silver a couple of years and uh, I think it was called Big and Little Foot, our team. <laughs> and uh, it was a really good, really good thing. It was really special. Um, yeah, it was a terrific fun run, the city to surf, and, and really special to to win with my dad, you know, in a category like that. Mm. Well, your dad liked a little punt and you'd sometimes go with him to the local pub tab or club tab to watch the races. So you knew what a racehorse looked like at a pretty early age. Yeah, I like our family had nothing to do with racehorses, but that's the thing that got me into it, sitting at the tab with my dad while he had a punt and uh, I used to find it, uh, you know, I'd get bored and then I started getting a bit interested in it, watching, you know, these beautiful animals and then it started ticking in my head years later, you know, thinking, oh, well, I'm small, I'm light, I'm fit and I love horses and I've always wanted a horse as a kid and we never had a property or, you know, time for pony club on a Sunday because I was always at, always at the races running and mm. It just kind of clicked in my head, well, that's one way I can get around horses if I become a jockey. So I got the crazy <laughs> idea in my head, even though I had never put a foot over a horse, um, mm. that somehow my dream started there. Well, you finish school and you enrol for a general Bachelor of Arts course at the University of New South Wales. And four days a week, I don't know how you cop this, you made the arduous journey by train and bus from Woodford to Randwick. Yes, it, uh, it was long days. Um, I think it was about two hours trip each way. I didn't want to leave home. I love living with my parents. I sort of, I've been a late bloomer, so I wasn't ready to go out into the wide world myself. And so I was happy traveling all that way. But um, yeah, it was a long way and at the time, like, I wanted to study to do something but I didn't really know what. I, I loved writing or I was interested in history mm. but, um, yeah, it was weird. I just remember sitting in the lecture rooms and they'd look over around at Racecourse and I uh, somehow just was more interested in looking at the track than 
doing it was in the classroom. So I knew I had to chase something towards the track that way. Yeah, well, I'm just trying to recreate or reenact that moment when you're peering out the window from that classroom on High Street, I presume, at Randwick. Yeah. And you could actually see horses there before and after track work. Something happened to you? Yeah, I I just, again, my heart, I got in my head. I thought I've got to get there to to do, you know, something like riding or something. And I even went to the extent I wrote up a big letter I printed it out off in different copies, put them in envelopes and put them in all the letterboxes around my race course to all the trainers. I never got a reply, but um, that's how keen I was. I just said, look, I've never rode a horse, but I'm keen. I'm willing to learn and I love horses and I'm fit. And, mm. you know, I just showed how keen I was, but, um, yeah, I never got an answer. <laughs> Not a reply. All right. Well, let's fast forward to the Richmond TAFE and an equestrian course that you enrolled in. You still haven't been on a horse in your life. One of your instructors was a former jockey, Brian Wood, and Brian told me some time ago now that you were the most fiercely determined pupil he ever had at the Richmond TAFE. <laughs> yeah, I still talk to Brian now. He's been a great supporter, and I never forget when I met him, I followed him around and was just absorbing everything he said. I was that keen and I still remember they said he, he apparently, after I rode a few times on the old racehorses they had there for us to learn on, mm. that um, he had rung Malcolm Fitzgerald at Racing New South Wales that managed all their jockeys and, and said, you got to come out here and see this girl. And I don't know what he's seen because I – I think it would have been hopeless. I had no idea, but he might have seen how keen I was. So that was the turning point. Mm. Well, one day, TAFE took you and other students to the Sydney Equestrian Centre at Horsley Park, and they let you ride a horse on a roomy track, which had been a part of the Olympic cross-country course in the year 2000. Now, this was the first time you were able to let a horse actually stride along and you absolutely loved it. Yeah, and it, I got picked for a jockey academy that were, had started up and it was went for about a week or two. We all stayed there together uh, at Horsley Park and it was a terrific um, setup. And I still remember having one take off and bolt on me around the track. Mm. But it didn't worry me. Um, <laughs> I still loved it. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it's funny looking back now because I remember all the kids that were there and some become jockeys, others fell by the wayside, but I'm pretty sure I'm the only one left standing still riding now. So that's, yeah, From it's that been a class. long journey. Yeah. Yeah, goodness me. Well, it wasn't long before you were completely hooked on the notion of becoming a jockey and you set about finding an apprenticeship. Now, you started yeah. with David Kelly at Grafton. You moved on to Ray Dart in Brisbane. And in April of 2005, you drove 478 kilometres to a little town called Monto for your first ride in a race. The horse was an 11-year-old called Spirit Breaker. You beat one home and you were more than satisfied. Yeah, it was um, um, 
terrific at the time. You know, your first ride is so keen and excited. And Monto, it was dry as anything, the old gates. But I didn't care. My boss at the time, Ray Dart, was good. He, he put the old 11-year-old out there for me. I'd been riding him in work and he was a terrific old horse to ride. So um, he got me around and, you know, showed me the place. And, um, yeah, I didn't win, but it was just a great, great way to start anyway. Monto, of course, was the hometown of the late Ken Russell, a great jockey who reached the absolute top of his profession before losing his life in a race fall uh, in the early 90s at Rose Hill. His nickname, uh, Sky, in case you've not caught up with it, was the Monto Marvel. Yeah, I, I didn't know that, actually. It's Yeah, it's very interesting. It sounded like a very, very good rider. He was a top rider and a top bloke. He really was. Well, your first win came at your ninth ride in a race. It was a class two at a little place called Esk, and Ray Dart put you on a horse called Not a Blunder. What a moment. Yeah, it was terrific. Uh, again, it was really nice of my boss to do that. Um, I think it was the tried horse that they had gotten and uh, a perfect name, not a blunder. <laughs> um, and I had rode it a lot of work. It was a beautiful horse to ride. And, yeah, it's, it was a great day. I don't remember much of it now, but I would have been absolutely wrapped. So, yeah. You told me that your finances at this stage of your life were in a sorry state and you would go anywhere to earn a losing ride fee. What was the funny story you told me about the all-purpose riding boots? Yeah, I I hardly had any money on it. You know, apprentice wage, you don't don't get a lot to live on. Um, and I, I didn't have any real track work boots. And David Kelly had given me some old stuff of his race gear and he only had some light boots that he gave me and they were a lot bigger than my foot. But I was that desperate. I, I couldn't afford track work boots, so I had to wear them to track work because I didn't want to miss out on track work. And, yeah, so I wore his old light race boots that were way too big for me to track work for yeah. quite a long time. And, yeah, <laughs> that's how I got by. And then you'd polish them up for race day. Yeah, I think I ended up getting some for race day because, um, yeah, his boots are just too big. Mm. For race day, but yeah, track work it, it was a bit hard. There's thin <laughs> soles that hurt a bit, but uh, it's the only way I could keep going. Now, Sky, you rode against many tough, old, hardened bush jockeys on those Queensland country tracks. You learned to look after yourself, didn't you? Yeah, they can be quite rough out bush and there's not much footage so you kind of learn to hold your own around there <laughs> Is that where you learn to swear yeah we try not to but sometimes <laughs> they deserve it <laughs> we're going to pause for a, a break on the podcast and we'll be back with sky bogan huber after this the english digital online sales have changed the landscape of mixed australian thoroughbred sales forever. Now, rather than wait for a mixed sale through the ring, owners, breeders and vendors can offer their product within a matter of days thanks to the twice-monthly English Digital Online Auctions. English now presents an online auction in the middle of each month and another at the end. 
since going twice monthly, the auction has averaged around 150 lots per sale and has exceeded a million dollars per sale with a clearance rate of almost 80%. To enter a horse or register a bid, visit englishdigital.com and follow the prompts or call 9399-7999. Well, Sky, your career took a massive turn for the better when Ray Dart arranged for your papers to be transferred to Tony Gollan, who was then training at Toowoomba. Mind you, it took you a while to settle in. You were pretty unhappy at first. Yeah, new place. I was used to Brisbane when I was with Ray. Um, I had some success getting some rides for Tony Gollan around the bush previously. So when he offered the chance to come up, I I wasn't – I didn't jump at it amazingly um, because I I wasn't the keenest on Toowoomba. I'd rode there a lot after the bush meetings in the day um, as Toowoomba's night and it just seemed quite rough and, you know, a little bit different. Um, so I wasn't sure but thank God I ended up going up. Um, it did take a while to settle in but – it was amazing. It, it was the turning point of my career, um, a trainer that had so much faith in me to put me on decent, fast horses, and um, I never looked back once I, you know, was there a few months. Well, it wasn't long before your talents were recognised by many local trainers and Brisbane trainers who frequently brought horses to Clifford Park, and the winners started to flow. Yeah, I, like I said, I thank Tony and Daryl Gollan massively for what they, um, the opportunity they gave me because until they gave me all those rides, you know, other people weren't as keen to put me on like other jockeys until you start riding winners. But, um, yeah, they got me going and then, yeah, now I'm pretty much everyone wants to give me a go, especially up here. Well, you've won five Toowoomba premierships and you almost won another one. You were beaten by only a win or two despite the fact that you'd been away in Western Australia for several months. And while you were there, you kicked home a few winners. I think you won more than 20 races in the West. Yeah, it's, uh, I'd, had, I'd got enough premierships, you know, and when the opportunity to go out to Perth for a stint, I thought, well, you know what? I've always got Toowoomba here. I've done what I can here. You know, I'd won all the main races. I'd won five premierships. So I thought um, I'll go over to Perth. I remember a few years ago when I won the premiership and I think Greg Childs was up here as a guest speaker and I pulled him aside and said, what What should I do now? You know, what can I do after this? And he said, the best thing for you is to go and ride somewhere else because the more you ride other places, the better rider you'll be. And I always remembered that when I got the opportunity to go to Perth. And it was a good stint in Perth. Uh, I rode winners in town, a lot at Kalgoorlie because I had um, good support up there. And mm. and I come back a better rider, a more patient rider because they ride a lot more patient than, than Queensland. Yep. Um, and I learned so much and I never take it back. Mm. Sky, you met a bloke called William Pike on that yes. trip uh, to Western Australia. You became quite friendly with him. I know um, he's been one of your role models. You've got a huge opinion of him as a jockey and as a bloke. Yes, well, 
they race the same time as Toowoomba because they're a couple of hours behind. Mm. And uh, I used to watch him all the time, killing it over there while I was riding at Toowoomba. And I thought he was a freak and amazing then. But when I went to Perth, I expected someone that was, you know, a bit full of himself because he was a king over there. Mm. And when I got to know him and met him and unbelievable a great bloke, a greater bloke than I ever imagined. And um, I was just rough to get to ride alongside him and learn, pick his brain about stuff. Mm. Um, and he was an absolute help and, yeah, terrific bloke. So mm. it was terrific. Well, the year 2013 brought you a distinguished achievement and a little piece of history. You <laughs> won the historic Wheatwood Handicap on Miss Magica and the Toowoomba Cup on Bang On. You became the first female to win the Wheatwood and the first female to ever win the big double, the Wheatwood and the Cup. What a thrill. Yeah, that stays in my heart. as one of the most special things to me. Um, they, the Wheatwood was amazing. Everyone wants to win the Wheatwood, especially when you're from here. It's just so special. And uh, I just – it was – Terrific to win on a mare like Miss Magica for, you know, a good supporter, Michael Nolan, uh, I still ride for. And, and the cup was brilliant as well because Tony Gollan, that's given me so much as an apprentice, um, you know, my two best supporters and they, they gave me the biggest races. I was so happy to get them for them and, yeah, it'll always be very, very special in my heart. Brett Kavanagh was training out of Toowoomba for quite some time and he put you on the best horse you've ridden to date. You rode the Monstar seven times all up for three wins, including the Group 2 Morton Cup at the Sunshine Coast. That was a special thrill. Yes, uh, that's a horse that's very special in my heart. I love him. Um, he was a funny horse. Not many got on with him. Uh, I rode him a fair bit of work at Toowoomba for Brett, and got to know him, and he does some silly things, um, but I just loved it. I, he used to crack me up every morning, and mm. um, I was so thankful of Brett to let me, you know, join forces with him and, and ride him in such big races, you know. It's mm. hard to get a go when you go down the range or in a group or listed race, and he stuck by me and mm. uh, given me my biggest win to date, and I'll never forget it. It, it was just... Yeah, terrific horse. I just loved riding him and, and, yeah, we went really good together. Yeah, he was also your one and only ride in a Group 1. You had the great honour and uh, and the great thrill to ride him in a Stradbroke handicap. You were unplaced but very happy. Yeah, like when it was my first ever ride in a Group 2 when I won on him, so that was amazing. Like I never rode a group race and I you know, won it. And then to be kept on him to ride in the, the Stradbroke was unreal. Like the, the the feel that week I was floating, um, the day was great. You know, I didn't win it, but it was I just soaked it all up. Like it was just great to be a part of it. Mm. When Brett Kavanagh relocated to Scone earlier this year, he offered you the opportunity to be one of his stable jockeys. And you actually moved to Scone Stayed a few months, rode a few winners, but you missed the Toowoomba family environment, uh, for want of a better expression. While you were there, Sky, you rode a few winners for a very discerning trainer in Paul Perry. Yes, um, 
again, it was a good opportunity to go somewhere else and spread my wings and get some more experience. And Brett had been a really good supporter of me. So I didn't stay for too long, but um, I really, I wouldn't take it back either. It was a great experience. And I like, yeah, rode for um, Paul Perry and Chris Lee's at Trackwork in New South Newcastle um, as mm. well. And that was, I loved that. And yeah, Paul Perry was really good to me while I was down there as well. And um, again, it, it was another experience you can't take back. And I, mm. I got to meet a lot of trainers down there and, and ride at a lot of different places. I did a lot of driving, but um, it was all, all worth it for experience and, and everything. I shouldn't be rekindling unpleasant memories, but this is such an amazing story, I'd like to cover it. This recent fall was bad enough, but there was another horrific accident in 2008 which put you out of action for a long time. You wouldn't believe this could happen. You'd won a barrier trial at Gatton for Tony Gollan on a horse called Mindel Beach, and you had a bit of an opinion of him too. You were pulling up on the turn out of the straight when suddenly you looked up to see a tractor towing the starting gates directly in front of you. It was the last trial of the day, and for some incredible reason, uh, the person in question decided to tow the gates back and put them in a shed before the horses had pulled up. Yeah, it was... Um no one meant anything to happen. Obviously, it was a real hot morning and uh, everyone wanted to get home. It was a long morning and, um, yeah, unfortunately, just racehorses being racehorses, he'd seen the barriers um, coming towards him with oh. the tractor and uh, tried to go for the outside fence. So I pulled him out of that. Mm. But then as I looked up, the guy had pulled the tractor up, but it was already in the way and I've he's flung me at full speed into the tractor and and um, taken off and uh, I hit the tractor all down my right side. I ended up with a split liver and kidney, uh, a few broken ribs, a big toe and everything. And then um, I think I knocked out for a bit because, it, yeah, the impact. I luckily didn't hit my head no. on it, but I hit it that hard that I smashed the radiator in the tractor. So, oh, um it, it sounds like the freakiest thing and it sounded like I could have been nearly killed, but you wouldn't mm. believe I was back on the track in the saddle in two and a half months. Yes, I know. Doctors initially thought you might lose one kidney though, didn't they? Yes, they said I'm going to lose a kidney. Um, they said, so you won't ride again. And I said straight away, I still remember I was in bed on <laughs> a million tubes and I said, no, nah, I'm riding again. So I think they must have thought, <laughs> well, you know, they thought, we'll wait and see how it goes. They sent me to Brisbane and uh, they did a really good job and it, it ended up that I, they kept it in and I ended up only losing 5% of it. So I was able to keep it and just lose 5%. So very lucky, probably young and healthy and fit. Um, yeah. Very blessed how I come out of that too. Who've been your role models? Which jockeys have you most admired? Well, you know, there's a lot of jockeys that I used to love watching. Um, it's funny, though, I probably know more about one, which is Glenn Boss. Yeah. I never really 
you know, thought he was better than anyone else. Um, he's done amazing. But mm. I ended up reading his biography one day and uh, unbelievable what he went through. Even someone like Glenn Boss at the start, he was living out of his car at one stage, you know, struggling with money and, and things like that. The st- and even after the fall when he broke his neck and stuff and um, mm. I ended up finishing the book and thinking, so much of him and yeah he did inspire me because his resilience his toughness um he's a real marvel to me now yeah oh he is a marvel he's 50 years old and in the last eight or nine months he's won a doncaster an epsom and an everest (laughs) yeah he's a freak with big races as well Uh, he seems to just be able to get on the the right Horses, he's obviously a good judge, um, mm. and he's very calm in those big races. Yes. Yeah, he's got iced water in his veins. Yeah. <laughs> he's amazing. You lost your dad eight years ago, Sky, and your mum, Elaine, still lives in the lower Blue Mountains, but she gets too nervous to watch your races live. She looks the results up later. Yeah, she doesn't have much to do with racing at all and probably doesn't understand it a lot so I don't even know if she can look up the results but Mm. I always ring her on the Sunday or whenever after I ride you know tell her how I went and and so she knows I'm all right and everything um Mm. she's been a really good supporter she was the only one after my last injury that didn't actually question me going back she's she I guess she knows me by now and she knows how stubborn and strong-willed I am on when I get on something and uh (laughs) she she's been so supportive though like I thought you know she'd be the one that would have the right to tell me to stop but she's been just terrific and um yeah the best supporter You actually flew her to Toowoomba for a few days last year to introduce her to your many racing friends and to the lovely Garden City. Yeah, I'd fly her up and um, she really likes Toowoomba actually and I showed her my horses I have off the track and things like that and, yeah, it was really good. Mm. You know, you enjoy another luxury that few jockeys have. You can eat anything you like. And it's well known around town that you can't get to the coffee shop quickly enough after track work for a cup <laughs> of coffee and some banana bread. Yeah, I um, I am blessed that I'm small and um, and light. Um, I actually, for me, it's the heaviest I've been since I was nineteen at the moment. When I had the fall, I got up to 54, but I wasn't going on a diet while I was off. I was enjoying my food. But um, mm-hmm. it's already come back down after the couple of months down to, to just under 52. So I, I'm getting back to normal now and I'm still eating eating well and that. So that's good. But, yeah, I am very blessed because I don't think I could do it if I couldn't eat. I like my food too much. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I do. I always go and get a coffee even now after track work and uh, – I used to love the banana bread. Just depends. I've had to have a sweet tooth, but um, yeah. yeah, I think there'd be a lot of jockeys. Yeah, wishing they could do that. Too. There'd be a lot of jockeys intensely jealous of that fact. Yeah. <laughs> well, Sky, you obviously didn't ride at this year's cup meeting, which I have the great pleasure to attend. But you were there, and it was lovely to spend some time with you during the day on Cup Day. 
but I could tell you would have given anything to be out there on the track. Yeah, it was a great day and it was terrific to spend it with you, I must admit. Um, And it was fun dressing up and seeing how it is on the other side of the fence, but that didn't last long for me. I got a, you know, still, yeah, wish I was on the other side of the fence doing what I do. Um, it's, It's lovely, you know, have a nice day there, but I'm that competitive that, yeah, I I kind of I don't mind going the races every now and then, but I can't go if I'm not riding most no. times because I just I just want to be out there riding and racing and yeah, it was hard, but um, yeah, I you knew that's not well. going to last. No, yeah. No. <laughs> well, despite the pain and the frustration and the anguish of those long months on the sidelines, you've had a happy journey overall, and you told me in a previous interview. And this was a, a great quote, that you feel safer astride a thoroughbred than you would skydiving or bungee jumping. You also said there's nothing else on earth you'd rather do. Does that still hold? Oh, uh, 100%. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just so happy, happy and grateful that I can come back and do what I just love doing yeah I I know there's other things that I could do um but at this stage of my life I'm still loving it enormously and yeah a hundred percent I I would hate to go bungee jumping or skydiving but I'd rather get on a horse I when I come back to track work and I got on the horses I was waiting for myself to feel different or scared and I just didn't. I just felt at home. It's just, you can't explain it, but I just feel comfortable up there. So, yeah, you know it's right. (laughs) Well, it's early in the season and you'll have to play catch-ups a little bit, but is another premiership on your radar? No, not at all this season. This season's all about enjoying it. I'm months behind and I'm not, not, even worried if it happened, it happened. But um, I'm not forcing anything. I see life different. I'm just as competitive, but I'm taking things more in my stride than I was. Um, like I already told Glenn McCullough up here that does a few articles on me. He's been a really good supporter that I explained to him, I used to leave the races at Toowoomba um, and kick my bag and walk out with the shits if I didn't get a winner. And I I usually get, you know, dinner at Macca's on the way home because that's what's <laughs> open at that time of night. But when I didn't get a winner, I'd be like, nah, you don't even deserve dinner. And I'd go home with the shits. And you know what? <laughs> last night, last night, I didn't get a winner. But you know what? I rode them good, gave them every chance, and I was happy. I'm walking, I'm leaving the races fine as always next week. And I've just got a different attitude and I hope that just stays with me from this because I just see riding and life different. You know, I, um, I, I'm good today. I'm normally on a Sunday afternoon get a winner. I'd be half dirty, but I'm yeah. good today because there's always another week. I've got my health. Um, you've got everything. So I see life so different. Well, Sky, thanks very much for your time on the podcast. I watched uh, your win on Je Suis Belle on the 19th of October with great interest. I could see how excited you were, and I'm sure Je Suis Belle is going to be the first of many more to come. Yeah, I hope so. Um, It was very special, and thank you so much for your time, John.
Uh, pleasure, Sky. Thanks for joining us. And this podcast was produced by Supernova Sound. <laughs>